Good morning, New Life Fellowship. Thank you for joining us for our third week of Advent. We're a little behind the other people. We're going to finish it out on Christmas Eve. Today we are laying the candle of joy. We're laying the candle of joy in 2020 <laughs> after the biggest snowstorm I've ever seen. But this is a neat time to be thinking about joy after such a year and such a storm. And this, the passage of the Lord has given me this morning... Psalm 16, which is a song of David. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the unshakable truth of our relationship with you and the kingdom of God on earth. Mm -hmm. Nothing can shake it. And Lord, this, this morning we look to you as our source of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. And we want to live into that, even in our worship time, as we sing to you. That in your presence is fullness of joy. Seeking you can sometimes be hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it takes a long time. But once we find you, God, fullness of joy. So we come to you this morning, God, in love with thankfulness that Jesus is the same yesterday, forever, that Jesus is our joy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the greatest things when I became senior pastor at New Life, now five years ago this month, it's hard to believe it's been five years, was uh, meeting with Ed and Ruth Van Amerongen in their living room on Castlewood Drive on a regular basis. I know I've shared this before with you, but Ruth and Ed were a long time of this church, even foundational members of this church for many, many of us, including myself. And Ruth would invite me over to her and Ed's living room to pray and uh, share testimonies of what God had done in their lives for, with me over the years and, and also pray for me carefully taking notes. Ruth would take notes on my personal prayer requests and any prayer requests I had for the church. And I was just like a great child in their living room. It was wonderful. Uh, Ruth also insisted on filling me with sugar, which is uh, unfortunate, but it was, it was welcome. Lots of defrosted uh, pieces of sugar from her freezer, unlimited supply, and coffee. Ruth and Ed were not just aging, retired people. They were curators of something that seems to be in short supply today. Ruth and Ed had spent their entire lives curating the truth of God's tender love for sinners and sufferers and the current work of the Holy Spirit in their lives and in the world and in the church. And I see now that Ruth and Ed in those days were passing along to me what they had seen and heard from the Holy Spirit, from God, probably in the hopes that I would continue to share and pass that along to other people as well as pastor of the church. It reminds me of John the Baptist in Luke 7. John the Baptist was discouraged and in prison at the time that this is written, and he begins to have trouble with the kind of Messiah Jesus was, and wondering, you know, at the identity of Christ, even though he had 
previously identified him as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. So John the Baptist, discouraged in prison before his death, sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come? Should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I'd never thought about it before this week, but these messengers from John came, and it seems that Jesus kind of put them off for a while, and during that week he did all the miracles that you could imagine Jesus could do in their, in their presence, and then said at the end, go back and tell John what you've seen here. More than just words, these are the signs of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God which came to earth with Christ's advent. The same kingdom we've been reading about in our small groups if you've been doing the God-soaked life. The kingdom that John the Baptist had been waiting for, um, even though it looked somewhat different from what he thought it would look like, as, as we can see from his confusion in prison. Um, but he knew, from looking at the Old Testament, John knew these signs, what are they? Um, blind receiving sight, lame walking, those who have leprosy being cleansed, deaf hearing, dead or raised, good news proclaimed to the poor. These are the signs of the kingdom, the true kingdom of God. And even if Jesus didn't look like John expected, this was the kingdom. And he said, go back to John and report what you see and hear. That, that phrase reminds me of, of, of at Ruth and Ed. I felt like they were, they were sitting with me and then saying, go back to new life and report what you have seen and heard from us. The Holy Spirit was very active in Ed and Ruth's life. If anyone who knows them knows that this is true. Ed told me so many testimonies of times God had touched him emotionally, relationally, physically about healings that he experienced that were, that were miraculous. I, I remember at the time, you know, around five years ago, wanting to videotape Ed sharing these testimonies so I could share them at a later time with the church. But something inside me thought, this might feel morbid to the poor guy, like I'm videotaping him, it's the last time I'm going to see him, and I just didn't do it. But I kind of wish I had, because some of the stories he told me were incredible. They were signs of the kingdom of God that, they, that Ruth and Ed had, had acquired throughout their lifetime. Go back and share what you've seen and heard. Ed and Ruth were curators, and particularly Ed, of the work of the Holy Spirit and the many things that God had spoken to them. And uh, it was quite an amazing thing. On this very Sunday morning last year, this very Sunday morning, Ed Benamorongan went to be with Jesus on this Sunday morning. But before Ed left Saratoga, when he began to struggle with dementia three or four years ago, Ed gave me this big tote bag full of his accumulated research on the Holy Spirit and the work of God in our region and the work of God in general and how the Holy Spirit moves and works. So Ed, who, who'd been this lifetime educator, had just he taught in public schools for years, retired from Colony, uh, teaching public school. He'd accumulated all this stuff about the Holy Spirit and then he just handed it to me in a tote bag, which I still have. Kind of a way of passing the baton on to me as he sensed his mind kind of slipping, uh, which, he, which, which he did the last couple of years of his life. 
anyone who knows Ed and Ruth Van knows that they were not perfect. They would tell you they're not perfect. And they were very upfront about their struggles and the grace that God had given them and continued to give them. But just like all of us, they functioned as great men and women of God and as signs of Jesus' kingdom on earth, even in all their imperfection. And I remember the, the strange feeling of attending Ed's funeral. It was Friday, December 27th, 2019. And it was the same day that me and my family, my uh, mom and dad and our brothers and sisters, were celebrating Christmas. We celebrate later than, than the holiday. So that evening was Christmas at my parents' home. Uh, some of the joy, most joyful times of our, of our year, uh, both with my in-laws and with my parents now. But the fact of being at Ed's funeral made it all so strange, thinking of going to this funeral, remembering Ed, and then, then going to my parents to celebrate the joyful season of Christmas. Ruth, who we got to see at that funeral, went to be with the Lord just a few months later on March 28th, uh, right after the lockdown went into effect. Never have I met a woman outside of my own maternal grandmother who is, who is very much like Ruth and still living, who just knew that Jesus loved her in a very tender way. You know, Ruth just knew that she, that she was Jesus' beloved. She was the disciple Jesus loved. And she would say to you that you are the disciple that Jesus loved. And because I love you, Jesus loves you, and you should know that. That's what Ruth taught me. She embodied it. She leaked it out of her pores to everybody she met. Ruth really preached the, the Advent sermon of love like I preached last week, but with her whole life, with, with uh, her compassionate and kind looks, with her gentle, loving touch, and surprisingly with some sassy remarks from time to time, which were really funny and, and fantastic. She was a spirited, wonderful, but tender woman. And Ed and Ruth were a couple who just loved Jesus and made coming to know Jesus by Jesus' spirit the goal of their lives and sharing that with other people. And that is what I hold in my heart when I think about, about them. And I hold that in my heart as I come to preach to you about the Advent theme of joy. Joy is one-ninth of how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit will, will bring into your life, one-ninth of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the other ones is, is love. We know that God is love, so we can sort of surmise that God is also joy. Joy is in God. Joy is in the Holy Spirit, along with love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and goodness. Um, God is love. God is joy. Jesus is God. Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is joy. The Holy Spirit is love. This is the Trinity. One, one God, three, three mysterious parts. The Father, Son, and the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of joy. Here's the sentence I want you to remember this Advent season and starting the new year. To seek and find Jesus is joy. To seek and find Jesus is joy. It really is. The seeking can be very difficult, especially through dark times. And it can be bitter. The seeking and the waiting can be bitter and difficult in the world that we live in. But to seek and to find Jesus, to not give up, to knock until the door is opened, is joy. To seek and find the Holy Spirit of Jesus, who is also seeking and finding us, is the delight of life, and it is the essence of our worship of God. That he both shepherds and seeks after us, even as we seek after him, but by the Holy Spirit. 
I remember in John 16, when Jesus said, it's better for you if I go physically away from you. Because if I stayed with you, I wouldn't send my spirit. But if I leave you, I can send my spirit to dwell with you forever. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of truth. So we know the spirit of Jesus is with us, is in us, is around us. And that spirit is a spirit of joy. And to find the Holy Spirit after seeking him, and even to be found by him, is the essence of the joy of life. The psalm I I opened our Advent reading with, and actually that Julie sang in the song, it's it's from Psalm 16. What uh, What a great unplanned event to have that song singing these words to us. Psalm 1611, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. This was David, who, who sought after God quite uh, per- persistently, despite many uh, foibles of his own. He never stopped seeking after God, no matter what he did. He never ran from God or believed that God would uh, reject him no matter what he did. He just was secure in the love of God and he found joy in the presence of God. I I believe particularly in worshiping God and singing to God and playing music for God on his lyre and his harp as he uh, worked with sheep and and, uh, as a shepherd early in his life and then as a king. To seek and find Jesus is joy. To seek and find the Holy Spirit of Christ is who is seeking and finding you is the joy that you were created for. Today I want to tell you about two other amazing senior citizens who were signs of the kingdom of God. A man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. Anna's a good name. Yeah, I knew that I was going to see the elbowing over at Anna over there. <laughs> Anna's a great name. I love the name Anna. It has great meaning. What does Anna mean? Grace. Yeah, that's one of the things. I think it means grace. It means beauty. It means it's a couple different things. Favor, also. Beautiful name. But I want to talk about a couple senior citizens from the Christmas narrative, or a little after it, who were, who, who were functioning as signs of the kingdom of God. A man named Simeon, a woman named Anna. Uh, two people out of thousands upon thousands of people who were older folks, uh, but who knew what was up more than anybody else. At a time when no one knew what was going on or what God was up to, Simeon and Anna, they had the inside edge of knowledge. So we're going to look at uh, Luke 2. We're going to be in 21 through 40. This is right a week after Jesus was born. His, his uh, devout Jewish parents are dedicating him at the temple, as was the custom and the law, so that Jesus could be born under the law and redeem us from the law. So pretty cool stuff. On the eighth day, When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts 
When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your own soul as well. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the line of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Without Mary and Joseph knowing... They were just trying to follow the law and do what was right in regard to Jesus' upbringing as, as a, a, a good, lawful Jewish child. Without them knowing, God was working in the lives of Simeon and Anna by his spirit so that they could be a part of the opening act of Jesus' life, even as the curtains were about to close on their own lives. They were getting to be, um, clearly Simeon thought that he was close to his death. Anna was a widow of 84 years old who was widowed after seven years and had been worshiping and praying in the temple ever since, because she knew that to seek and find God is the essence of life. That's what she was doing. And uh, if, if you think about the, how early people got married back then, we're talking about 65 years probably of worshiping God in the temple and praying, devoted to the Lord. Simeon is a, re- is a really interesting character, a man of God who, who seems to move around by the Holy Spirit mysteriously, quite a bit for an Old Testament guy, if you ask me. Um, he's in the New Testament technically, but before, you know, right after Jesus' birth, here's a man who it says, God tells Simeon that he will see God's promised consolation at some point in his life. Maybe it was 20 years before, maybe 30 years before. We don't know when God told Simeon this, which is pretty exciting to think about. But he was a man who saw the Lord, and the Lord had whispered to him, you're going to see my Messiah. And this made the, the old man, older man, uh, very excited. And this one particular day, the Holy Spirit stirs in Simeon and says, this is the day to go to the temple. I got something to show you, which I think is super cool. So the Spirit moves him to go to the temple on the exact day, the exact time when Jesus was being dedicated to God by his parents. And when he sees the baby, and this is an artist's rendering of, of Simeon that I thought was so touching, so touching. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, to the glory of your people, Israel. And then Simeon goes on to pray, to, to, to prophesy about Jesus' coming life and ministry, and even talking about Jesus' death and what would happen in Mary's soul as he, as he is crucified. And Anna, who's been at the temple worshiping every day, now she's not like Simeon who just waits until God tells him to go. She's there every day, uh, kind of on autopilot, seeking after God. And she knows by the Spirit that this baby is God's Messiah as well. And she 
creeps forward, I guess, and, and her, with her walker, I suppose, and uh, gives thanks to God, speaking to everyone who's gathered about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And what really is striking is that both Simeon and Anna had persevered and sought after God throughout their entire lives, into their old age, through being widowed, through lots of suffering, through lots of difficulty, through, through perhaps more, more than we can really understand what they were going through. They were, they were watching nationally what happened to their nation over, t- over a long period of time. Which is why sometimes young people are more flippant about politics than older people, because older people have been watching for longer. And so they've been seeing what's been happening to their people and the persecution that happened to the Jewish people over a long period of time probably for, for, for many years because they were people that sought after God and they were both filled with prayers, worship and praise and the Holy Spirit. When I think about Simeon and Anna, you know, I think they're, they're much like uh, Ed, Ed, and, Ed and Ruth Van were in my life. They, they were people that knew that to seek and find Jesus by the Spirit was the joy of life and they enjoyed the process up to their dying day passing on to the next generation the baton of, uh, of what God was doing. To seek and find Jesus, to seek and find what the Holy Spirit is doing was the greatest joy. Um, and to seek and find Jesus by his Spirit, knowing that Jesus is actually seeking to find you as well, is one of the greatest blessings we can find in this holiday season as we anticipate the coming of Christ in our, in our minds. This is what we were created for. We were created to seek and find, to knock until the door opens, knowing that the one behind the door is the God we talked about last week, the God who delights to meet with us, to open the door and to invite us in. And this is meant to be for our entire lives. Whatever season we're going through, whatever suffering, to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, to worship, pray, and seek Jesus. Um, seek after Jesus. Seek after the Holy Spirit. Uh, no matter what befalls, knowing that he is the spirit of joy, the spirit of God. So as we progress through the Christmas season, and we're going to be going into the new year that God has for us in 2021, you know, most people hope for something better than 2020. I mean, everyone hopes that at very minimum. But there is something that is unshakable no matter what may come in 2021, and that is that to seek and find Jesus is the joy of life, and to come to know the Word and the work of Jesus' Holy Spirit within us is the goal that we were created for. We were created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, to glorify Him with our lives, to enjoy Him forever, to receive this relationship with God, to, to receive that we are the beloved of Christ, to call Him our Father, to seek after Him, to find Him, to be found by Him, forever. So to that end, I'm once again calling the church to a fast in the first three weeks of January. And this, is, this has become a tradition for us, but for me, I was really, it's something that I feel that God's really put on my heart. Not more than a tradition, I think God is calling us to fast and seek after him in the beginning of 2021 whatever that looks like. Every fast, of course, is different. Some people fast from food or drink. Some don't eat at all but only drink water. Others are called to fast from various forms of media consumption that they do. 
such as movies or television or video games or social media. Some might feel they are called to fast from the news. I feel a lot of, a lot of people feel that way uh, for a few weeks. Whatever it is you choose to fast from, I just encourage you, from my heart to yours, as, 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 as your pastor, as someone who has seen and heard what God can do by his Spirit from people that know, even more than my own experience dictates from other people's experience who've gone before us, like Ed and Ruth, that there is more for us as individuals, as a church, even in the midst of great difficulty and adversity. And so we should seek God. Find some way to fast. I put the packets again on the Welcome Center on the, on the corner. It's, it's, uh, it's suggestions on different ways you can fast. There are um, sections where you can write in. This is what, after prayer, this is what I think God is calling me to fast from. This is how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to plan it. And this is what I'm seeking God for. To really just personalize your relationship with Christ and to seek after him like many faithful men and women have sought after him before us, knowing that in him is fullness of joy in his presence. So I encourage you, we're going to take a little time to pray uh, before Julie comes up. But I want to um, encourage you to take on that, that, that vision of fasting and seeking after God, of, of having a prayer for yourself, for your family, for your church, for the gospel, for the bigger mission that God is doing that we would be people that make Jesus known by his Holy Spirit, which is with us, um, even in dark times, even in the times we're living through. Because to seek and find Jesus is joy. And to find the Holy Spirit of Jesus who's already seeking after us is probably fullness of joy. To seek after God, only to find that he is seeking after you. <clears throat> because he wants to be in a relationship with you. He's removed every barrier, every possible obstacle. His fullness of joy, to glorify him, to enjoy him, both now and forevermore, to hear the whispers of his spirit, to, to minister in Jesus' name in new ways and creative ways in the coming year that we would seek after him as a church together uh, for 2021. So I'd like to take a few minutes. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll ask Julie to come up, if you could play on the piano. I'd like to spend some time just in prayer and... Um, Reflecting on these things, reflecting on Simeon and Anna, reflecting on Ruth and Ed, people that we've known and seen and touched who are no longer with us, who are cheering us on to be the kind of people that seek after God no matter what comes, uh, to find the fullness of joy that's only found in Jesus, uh, to consider what God's calling us to, to do in, in the 2021 with our fasting. Let's go to the Lord together. And the spirit of prayer that we're in right now, I wanted to lift up some things that are representative of perhaps some greater things in prayer along with you. There are people that are suffering as well physically during this time with a condition, mental, emotional, physical. All these things are coming to the surface for people. And during the holidays, it can be, you know, you hear it gets harder and harder. People are struggling to see the hope and to get the touch from God that they need, just the comfort. So I'd like to lift up a prayer for everyone who is sick and suffering in any way. I pray for those who are struggling with depression or beginning to struggle with depression and having a hard time remembering what it feels like to know joy. And I pray, Lord, that you would be at work in the emotional health of your people, of this church, um, lifting them up, 
helping them to see that you are seeking after them, that sometimes they need to let themselves be found instead of trying so hard to find you. They need to relax and lay back and let you find them sometimes and to be, to be saved in that way, Lord. We lift up those who are struggling with mental illness uh, in its many forms, Father God, for those who are struggling with the effects of old age and dementia and dealing with those kinds of frustrations and pains. We just pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And everyone who is suffering, everyone who is struggling during this time, and we thank you that your, your love and your grace um, meets us right where we are at. We pray that you would manifest your presence in the lives of each person who needs it. And uh, we pray that we would, with whatever resolutions we've made uh, to seek your face in the new year, that we would seek hard after you. Make a plan, do it, and find Jesus. Find the joy of the Lord in the midst. We lift all these requests up with thanksgiving for your great gift of coming as Christ to show us what you are like and how you love us. We lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed to go and be the church.